Today is Wednesday, October 4th, 2023. This is Quick Start from CBN News. I'm Dan Andros. Kevin McCarthy ousted as House Speaker. We'll have that top story and more on today's podcast where we bring you news from a Christian perspective. Don't forget to subscribe, leave a rating, and email us, quickstartpodcast at cbn.org. Joining me now, as always, Billy Hallowell and Trey Gons Phillips. Happy hump day, guys. You know, the weeks, they move, the days they move, they move so fast, but yet we're here. I'm excited. I feel like I was going into a rhyme there, but yeah. I'm, I'm happy to be here. I know. I was ready for a, like a Dr. Seuss quote or something yeah. to come out of that. I'm kind of disappointed. But no, I'm not. I'll pick up the pieces. <laughs> uh, we got a lot coming up on the podcast today. Trey, you talked to uh, Lecrae. Yeah, so he's going to be uh, talking with us on the main thing about a new movie he's on, but he's also talking about how to engage culture as a Christian. So good conversation. Yeah, looking forward to that for sure. And then Billy on the Focus story, a Louisiana church graffitied by vandals. So a, an actual positive story, believe it or not, with that lead. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, the satanic imagery and the pastor's reaction is the part that is uh, inspiring and positive. So we'll get into that. All right, excellent. Looking forward to all those and more on the podcast today. We're going to start here with the news in 90 seconds. And the U.S. House of Representatives voted yesterday to oust Kevin McCarthy as Speaker. Historic moment as never before as a House Speaker ever been ousted through the passage of a resolution to remove them. The House will now need to elect a new Speaker, but there's no clear alternative right now who'd have the support to win. In the meantime... Representative Patrick McHenry of North Carolina is the interim speaker. This is just the latest in an escalation of tensions within the GOP. Matt Gates led a small group of Republicans, and they joined with mostly Democrats to oust McCarthy. The final vote tally was 216 to 210, but just eight Republicans voted to remove McCarthy. We'll have more on this story in the coming days. For more on it now, head over to CBNNews.com and watch our daily news programs, News Watch and Faith Nation, on the CBN News channel, which you can find at CBNNews.com. Also, you can find those shows on our CBN News YouTube channel. We'll also put the links to those shows in the description of this podcast episode. A nine-year-old Charlotte Cena's dramatic rescue unfolded like a movie scene with SWAT teams and police cars rushing to the scene. Charlotte been, had been kidnapped while on a family camping trip. Michael and Erica, who were interviewed, their locals there, neighbors of the accused kidnapper, they described the raid that was like a movie, they said. Flashbangs, SWAT trucks. Law enforcement found Charlotte hidden in a cabinet behind the suspect's trailer community was shaken after this saying their safety feels compromised charlotte had been missing since saturday she was taken from moreau lake state park by the alleged kidnapper craig ross jr charlotte appears to be in good health and is recovering at a hospital after several fights reportedly broke out at a small town in high school a high school in kentucky over a five-day period back in september a church decided to rally people to prayer and the response has been nothing short of miraculous those are just some of today's top headlines you can check out that story and more over at cbnnews.com great story there guys i wanted to bring up this this story about the girl that was kidnapped and you know billy i know you have children about that same age so do i and 
it's really weird. I can't decide if it's just more news that we are more aware of some of these kidnappings or if it actually is more dangerous now. I feel like when I was growing up, I grew up in that age, probably in the 80s. It was when I was nine or 10 years old. And it just felt like we were able to, I was able to ride my bike around the neighborhood and we were able to just kind of, you know, your parents didn't, most of the kids, their parents didn't really worry exactly where they were. Hey, be back by dinner time. You know, we didn't have phones or anything like that. Now it just feels like, and again, I don't know if it's the news or it's just a perception thing or if it's really more dangerous, but it feels like you really got to monitor things these days. Yeah. I mean, that's always the question, right? Are they just presenting more of this to us or is there a new trend? But I do think, you know, I I grew up in a small town. I I drove my bike into town when I was 11 or 12 all the time. It was a long bike ride on my own. And you look at where we are now, if the inner cities and these other areas are having these increases in different issues, right, whether it's homelessness or violence, why would we not be seeing some of these other issues unfold at a higher rate? So I can't statistically prove it right now, but I do feel like there are some shifts and changes going on. Yeah, it definitely does seem like there are there are changes going on. So I was, was in the 90s, I guess, when I was growing up, and it felt like that was when that shift started to take place, right? When parents were supposed to be more aware of where your kids were. Uh, I think it was, yeah, like it was, I remember, I guess, toward the end of my childhood, uh, when I was little, that was when a lot of parents were becoming even more aware of, of where your kids are. Are they out late? Are they out alone? Um, so I, yeah, it's it's hard to know. Is it because of social media where we have this hyper awareness and we're just scared um, because if we're scared, then we shouldn't be motivated by fear. But also right. if there are legitimate concerns, then yeah, you have to take those into account. And I just don't know as a parent, uh, how do you navigate that stuff? That's a scary thing to figure out on your own, you know? Yeah. It's weird. Cause you don't want to make your kids be fearful. Right. Yeah. And, and so, but you, you do want to take measures that, you know, you're to be prepared. There's, there's no harm in being prepared. You don't want to overdo it. It's the same thing with like a school shooting and, you know, schools being prepared. You don't want to frighten the kids. I remember doing the uh, get under the desk thing during the eighties and, you know, the whole uh, red scare, all that stuff. It's like, well, I don't know what a going under a desk was going to do if a nuke went off, but I don't know. We did that, but the schools, I mean, we saw with uh, Covenant, the Christian school there in Tennessee, they had very um, well-prepared plans for an active shooter situation. And I believe their preparedness saved a lot of lives. And you, know, you pray you never have to use that, and most people won't. But there's no harm in being prepared. So I think if there's any moral from this story, it's, hey, be prepared with your kids. Talk to them about how you interact around strangers. And don't, I mean, we always say that, like, don't, go into a neighbor's house if they ask you to go in and that that situation has come up and it's likely innocent but you never know you know like hey come in and help me with this like no my, my parents said I can't you know and yeah. just just little things like that I think you prepare them for and you know not to scare them and say oh you're gonna get kidnapped but just to be extra safe yeah well I mean if there if there's this massive mental health crisis right you have to think about what issues are going to come as a result of that that are increased issues not new issues but you know, it, new iterations, you mentioned, you know, mass shootings, my kids go through drills that are mass shooting drills, right? They, yeah. they're well aware of why they're going through them. And yeah, they are a little scary. They have to hide in a closet or they have to have a spot they have to go to, you know, but it's about being ready. God forbid, it's very unlikely that will happen, but that if it does, they know what to do. So that's a new thing though, right? A relatively new thing that yeah. schools are doing. Yeah, absolutely. Well, if anything, it's a, hopefully a mental note that you can make for your kids or your grandkids to be prepared to, to not take things for granted that you're living in a safe area. This can't happen to me. 
because you know you never know and pray that it never happens in your neck of the woods but be ready if it does all right we're gonna head over to the focus story now and we're gonna take a look at this louisiana church that was graffitied by vandals last weekend but as you mentioned there billy the pastor had an inspirational message in response what do you say yeah, I mean, he was virtually unfazed by it, which I thought was interesting because these weren't just any messages. They were satanic messages and symbols, and they were painted on both locations. The church has a north and a south campus, and at both locations, they had this uh, messaging put up. Um, here's what he said. I thought this is a great quote. This is a minor scrimmage, but it is a spiritual battle. His name is Pastor Clifton Leguin, and he said, this isn't about buildings, and it's not about vandals for us because we believe and preach that we are not physical beings, but spiritual beings housed in physical bodies. And so here he is doing this interview. <laughs> it's a local media outlet, right? They've come to find out what he thinks about this, and he's going right into this is a spiritual battle. Yeah. And by the way, they captured the two people responsible for this on at least one camera. So there's some footage that the church has put up um, and has shared. But it's really, it's it's very interesting because one of the other messages, by the way, and I think this is probably what sparked his spiritual battle comments, the devil has risen. That was one of the things they wrote um, on the church mm. in red paint. They also put expletives um, on the ground. And so uh, just really intriguing to see the pastor reacting in that way. He also said what they meant for evil, God means for good. What this does, it rallies the church. Instead of discouraging the people, it invigorates the people. He was basically saying that this event is actually rallying the church together. And he felt that maybe the cause of this was, hey, you know, we're out in the community. We're doing all this good work. We're growing. They're helping addicts and the homeless. And so... You know, he's like, we have to just expect these things are going to happen. That was his yeah. posture. No, I love that. That's fantastic. I mean, to take an event like this and to find out how can God use this instead of being despaired, instead of being frustrated or angry or anything like that. That's a great response. What else did he say about it? Yeah, you know, he basically he basically said that as a community, as I was mentioning, you know, this kind of brought them together. Um, and I thought that was I thought that was unique. A lot of times people are angry when something like this happens, yeah. right? They've got to clean it up. They've got to pay money to do that. And he really showed grace. But they also have put up messages. And this, by the way, it's the Jesus Worship Center out in Jennings, Louisiana. Uh, they put up a message on the church's Facebook page saying, help us identify these two. And they put men in quotes because they don't know if it's men or women um, who spray painted the campus. And they show the video of that. And so they're hoping people in the community will find who's responsible. But again, really just keeping on mission and taking every opportunity, which is what we're supposed to do as believers, to go out in the media and share the truth, right? That this is a spiritual battle, that God is real. And so I really just, it's a simple story, but another great example of how we should live when things don't go our way. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, scripture certainly tells us on multiple occasions uh, on how we should we we should respond to things so that when the outside world looks at us, that that they are um, moved by what we're doing. And they say, hey, wait a minute, that's different. Um, and that there's no cause for you to say, aha, I knew it. I told you so about them. That's the way we're supposed to respond. And when you see something like that, I mean, how can you pick that response apart, right? There's nothing negative about that response. There's no seeking vengeance, all that stuff. So, um, so I think that this response is fantastic on that front. What's your guys' reaction? Yeah, no, 100%. I think it's important and I think encouraging whenever we see believers looking at a, a good, bad, or indifferent situation and using it to point people to Christ. 
Um, so because I think that's that's so often what the Lord does, or it, it is what the Lord does for those who are in Christ, right? What the enemy meant for evil, uh, God meant for good. And I think we can replicate some of that in our own life and how we react to things as Christians. Like you meant this for evil, but now that I've got a platform and I'm talking to the local media about this, I can use it as an opportunity to point people to the gospel. And that's exactly what this church is doing. And that's encouraging. Yeah. And I think also... Asking for the help figuring out who did this, you know, there's still justice. You can be kind yeah, and sure. loving and, you know, they want to know who did this and and who knows, maybe they're going to help them. Maybe these people need some sort of assistance. It's, it's interesting. They did this around three 30 in the morning, right? Um, you know, again, trying to hide themselves, but I'm betting we figure out who did it and it'll be interesting to see what the pastor says from there and, and where the story goes. Yeah, definitely. Look, uh, we definitely got to give us an update if that does happen. I mean, I'm sure they'll eventually find them, but to see their reaction would be great to get an update on that. So um, cool story, Billy. Appreciate you uh, bringing it here on the podcast today. We are going to head over to the main thing now. And Lecrae is not is known not just for his music, but for speaking into cultural issues. He sat down and talked with Trey about why it's important for Christians to use their platforms to address cultural issues and why as believers we should be innovative and creative. He also talked about his role in the forthcoming Christmas musical journey to Bethlehem. That's today's main thing. Lecrae, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us today about your new movie. Well, coming in November, which is right around the corner, but uh, Journey to Bethlehem. How are you doing? I'm doing well. Appreciate you. Anytime there's anything Christmas coming around, I'm always like game to talk about it. So um, but you play the Archangel Gabriel in this movie, which is actually a musical. Tell me how you got even plugged in with this project. Yeah, so it's it's really kind of funny. Um, a friend of mine uh, knew Adam Anders and Adam was reaching out to my friend to say, hey, I think Lecrae would be good for this role. You think he'd audition for it? And uh, my friend reached out and was like, hey, would you audition for a movie role? And I was like, of course. <laughs> so um, once I heard about what the movie was and really learned about, you know, I knew who Adam was because of the musical connections. And so I was like, oh, man, this sounds amazing. Um, I had no idea that I was going to be a part of something so phenomenal. So uh, just to be a part of it now is like, I'm so glad I, I got the audition. Hmm. You know, I think because it's such a unique approach to the Christmas story, obviously the nativity story at Christmas time, we're all familiar with different renditions of the story. But the fact that it's a musical, uh, I think is is interesting. The fact that it has such a diverse cast, I think is a, is a refreshing thing to see too. Uh, talk a little bit about that and maybe how the role uh, and and how all of it has kind of come together uh, has impacted you. Yes, there was so much intentionality um, in this film that it was mind blowing. Um, one, the intentionality of making sure the music was good because a lot of times, yeah, you get musicals that are um, you know heavy on the story, but the music is, is subpar, or heavy on the music, but the story subpar. Um, it was so much intentionality on making a, a great film, great cinematography, great story, but phenomenal music. I mean, if you know Alex and Adam's background in music, you know, high school musical, so on and so forth. Like the music is top tier. The diversity, the intentionality of, you know, the times that we live in where people 
you know, are, are looking at those particular things and saying, well, what was the ancient Near East like? And what would the people have looked like? And I think that was a part of the mindset as well. And so there's people in there that are from different backgrounds and not even, you know, from a look perspective, but, but the casting people are from Spain. They're from Australia. They're from Mexico, Atlanta. Uh, so there's just people from everywhere and it, it made it for a phenomenal film. Yeah. You know, something too, I grew up watching Antonio Banderas and all kinds of things. Just out of curiosity, what was it like working with him too? Yeah, I mean, Antonio Banderas, one, is a, a really a professional. So yeah. somebody who can just come in and adapt immediately, just living in character. Like, it, you know, I'm building up, I'm doing acting, coaching and lessons. And Antonio just walks on and bow, he's right in character. Um, but then at the same time, very humble, very down to earth, very real, um, you know, just a, a genuine article. Now, the fanfare was a little different, you know, like it's knowing that people like, oh, my gosh, Antonio Banderas is here and everyone freaking out. You know, that was that was interesting. But uh, but it, but it was cool just to know that, um, you know, the likes of someone like himself who's played a so many amazing roles was a part of this. You know, I was looking at, at your Instagram uh, account earlier today and just scrolling through some of the things you had posted. And one video that you posted, I think it was in mid-September, uh, was about the importance of Christians really being innovators and, and creators uh, in the space that, that we live in, the space that you occupy as an artist. Yeah. Uh, and I think that really resonates with what y'all are doing with Journey to Bethlehem because it's a new approach. It's a fresh approach to the story. Uh, but you talked in that video about why, as as children of the Creator, we should also be creating. Can you talk a little bit about the importance of of stepping out of our comfort zones and really pushing the boundary as creators, as believers? Yeah, I I think um, for so long we've had this kind of little brother syndrome of like we are um, you know not as good as our you know maybe non believing contemporaries. And we tend to just follow suit. Um, there may be some insecurity there. We, so we'll copy culture, we'll condemn it, or we'll critique it, but we won't create. And historically, we've been known for creating culture. We've been known to be, you know, culture creators, and we serve the greatest creator of all time. And so that should be inspiration for us um, to go out and do amazing things. When you look at many of the Christian monuments around the world, I mean, they are ancient, those ancient monuments are phenomenally done because, you know, th those people who were commissioned to do it were really good at it. And I think that should inspire us. Uh, we've been commissioned by God to create amazing things to reflect him and his glory. So let's, let's, let's work on it. Let's do it well. And let's reflect how amazing he is to the world outside. Yeah. You know, I think you, you touched on something important. And I know as somebody who's a well-known artist to both believers and non-believers, it kind of puts you in a tough spot sometimes because there are a lot of issues in our culture that need to be addressed. But also as Christians, we don't want to be known as just the no people, right? We don't want to be constantly condemning everything. So as an artist with a platform, how do you toe that line of, of speaking out on things that are problematic in our secular world, but also creating new things and then really paving the way as well? Yeah, I think um, the key for me has been to walk in the tension of it all. Um, I think sometimes we want to be, you know, we want to work in humble excellence, but at the same time, we want to um, be innovative and creative. And then we want to be distinct and we want to be transformative. 
And so sometimes we'll lean in one of those quadrants more than the other. We'll say, well, we got to be distinct. We got to tell and challenge the world to, you know, we, we don't do this and we don't do that, or we got to transform things and we've got to show them what a different picture this looks like, or we've got to just be humble and quiet and excellent. And I think the tension and living in all those spaces and just kind of praying and saying, okay, God, is this a time to be distinct? Is this a time to be, you know, for humble excellence? Is this a time for innovation? What is this? And, um, and just relying on God to, to give you the wisdom in those moments um, to, to do that. Yeah, you know, I think the uh, the consequence of that is when we do that, one, it's tricky, and so we're gonna step we're gonna step in some landmines when we do it. It's just uh, the nature of stepping out of our comfort zones, uh, and I think you know we're we're going to make mistakes as believers uh, when we engage in these things. But the the important part is is not never stepping out; it's that owning it when we make mistakes, and then kind of humbly saying, "Look, I I messed up here." Or uh, you know this I should this is what I believe but I should have worded it differently or it's how do we navigate that uh, in humility and say look I made a mistake but I'm still going to press forward with what I know to be true absolutely I mean you're dialed in a hundred percent and I think that's the that's the key right there is just you know you look at a, a Peter who was cutting off ears and denying Jesus, but he didn't live there. You know, Jesus still came to him and said, I need you to feed my sheep. And so he had to own that and embrace that and then move forward. You got Paul who says, hey, look, I'm the chief of sinners, but I'm not stopping or slowing down. I'm owning where I've been wrong and moving forward because there's restoration and opportunity for growth in that process. Lecrae, thank you so much for taking a few minutes to talk with us. Of course, man, I appreciate you. All right, Trey, appreciate that interview there today on The Main Thing. Lecrae is certainly an influential guy in, a, in the Christian world and and somebody making a lot of waves with the content that he is creating, both musically and now uh, on the screen as well. So appreciate you bringing that. If you want to check out that interview, the full interview, you can uh, head over to the CBN News YouTube channel. We'll also put the link when it's available in the uh, description of this podcast episode. All right, that's going to leave us with time here for one last thing on the podcast. Yeah, so we're going to look at Proverbs 3, 9. It says, honor the Lord with your wealth and your first fruits of all your produce. I think that's such a good reminder, right, to put everything, uh, everything that we have before the Lord first, right? Everything that we own and we've been given belongs first to God. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, uh, of course, another one of those things easier said than done. When we yeah. when we get our stuff, we want our stuff. At least I speak for myself when I say that. But um, obviously, there's just many blessings that come when we follow the way God has ordered things and designed things. And we give him what's rightfully his uh, first. I mean, because all everything we get ultimately comes from God. Yeah. God first, the rest will follow. I thought you were going to end. I thought you were going to end with another rhyme here, but... Uh, that's twice. That's 0 for 2. At the top, you were, it sounded like you were going into one and you didn't. And then I thought you were going to go into just one there. Just wisdom. Just wisdom. All just right. Wisdom. I'd rather have that anyway. So. <laughs> All right. Good spot to leave it here on the Wednesday edition of the Quick Start Podcast. Don't forget to leave a rating and a comment if you haven't done so yet. Uh, subscribe, of course. Lord willing, in that creek don't rise. We shall return tomorrow with more. Friday Junior is up next. God bless. See you then.